Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I just finished a big bowl of noodles. So. Oh, nice. Nice. I just How had a you? piece of toast. Oh, I'm good. I was just saying, I just had a piece of toast. So I'm also chilling. Crunchy. Yes. Well, happy Pride. Um, um, yeah, happy Pride. Hello, and welcome to a little bit of seasoning. Pride edition. Yay, I'm Morgan. And I'm Megan. Yay, well, happy Pride then. It's very exciting. Good to you as well. Yeah, I'm really excited for today's podcast. Me too, it's one um, I've been wanting to do ever since we came up with the idea to start a podcast. Yeah. Um, I guess it, it might be helpful to people who are listening, you know, what about Pride we might be talking about today in the podcast. Yeah. Um, I know that we were, like, going back and forth in terms of, like, what we wanted to discuss. And we definitely want to talk about sort of our own journeys, our own respective journeys with our sexualities and what it means to be a part of the LGBTQ plus community what it means to be an ally, what Pride Month means. Um, am I forgetting anything? So I, I wrote down some notes because I thought it would be really important to talk. Like, I thought we couldn't talk about Pride unless we acknowledge the Stonewall riots and that Pride began through the efforts of Black queer people leading um, fights for equality in the um, late 60s. So I thought we could yeah. touch on that too, just especially with yeah, everything totally. going on right now. And I wrote down some um, organizations that are focused on Black queer people, Black trans people um, that we could shout out and um, just let our listeners know, like, these are places that you can donate to, that you could help out, maybe volunteer for um, with everything going on if you're not able to like go to a protest and since we won't be probably won't be having pride marches this year okay so yeah do you want to um, go first talk about like how you view sexuality and how you've like come to identify as someone who's in the queer community oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'll go first um so i mean growing up i never really felt inclined to want to discover more about myself in terms of my sexuality, you know, if I was lesbian or bisexual or pansexual or, you know, anything. Um, Growing up in a very, very heteronormative society, like, I always just knew, like, I am a cisgendered woman and I only like cisgendered men. And up until now, all the people that I have been romantically involved or sexually involved have all been with cisgendered men. So I never really wanted to question you know, if there was any more depth to my sexuality. And honest, it wasn't until I came to college and I was just so much more comfortable having those discussions with friends and even with professors and really feeling safe and being like, I have no idea what I am and that's okay. And even to this day, I don't really identify myself as like someone who's straight because who the hell knows what... Right who I'm going to be dating or who I'm going to be attracted to in the future. Um, And I don't really want to close myself off to any of those opportunities simply because they're not like they haven't happened to me before. Um, 
And I know that it's such a, it really is such a great privilege to be able to say like, I don't know and I don't care because for a lot of people, they don't have the support systems they need to be able to make those decisions for themselves. So I'm very grateful that I feel comfortable in not knowing. Um, and it's never been a problem for anyone that I've been like attracted to. And if it were a problem, the problems with them. So yeah, so I would say that I'm, I don't really identify myself as being queer. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm questioning all the time, but it's not something that like weighs heavily on my mind. That's what I would say about that. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, you definitely don't have to like put your, put a label on your sexuality because it's, it's always changing, you know, it's not set in stone just because you come out one way, um, which I think is really important. Something that I'm learning because, um, like I identify currently as biromantic asexual, but I know that within those two things, there's spectrums, especially in the asexual spectrum. It's like, it's so vast and I'm not sure yet where on that spectrum I fall, but I know that I do fall somewhere. And it's just like, you just don't have to put yourself in a certain label because then you'll be like, oh, I can't change my mind now. I've already come out this way. When really you can identify one way during part of your life and then later in your life identify another way. Yeah. And I and I think it takes a lot of courage and also a lot of confidence to be able to be like actually this is not how I identify anymore and this is how I'd like to be a referred to and a perceived as um and that's a lot that's a lot not only to think about but also to decide for yourself so I really I really applaud people who have you know taken those steps to try and feel as comfortable as they can in in their sexuality yeah it's really hard yeah I guess for me like my journey with sexuality, like, um, I also grew up in a really heteronormative area and school. And so when I was in middle school and, like, late elementary school, I, like, was – most people would use the term tomboy, but, like, I've come to realize that that's, like, very, in my classes, that that's, like, very dismissive of the trans community and um, so I just, like, don't like using that word, but that's how people would traditionally, I guess, um, I'd call me. And so I was a tomboy. But then when I reached, like, seventh grade, I kind of realized that I was very different from the rest of the girls in my grade. And I didn't really want to people to pick up on that fact. So I started dressing more what I thought I, how I was supposed to. And um, then I went to high school and I went to an all girls high school and I realized I kept realizing like there's something different about me. I don't really know what it is, but I think like I might identify as queer, but I tried to hide. I like got really nervous that people would be able to see through me and see that part of me. And like we even had my junior year, a um, LGBT Q plus Alliance club start and it was like at a different at the same time as another club I was in but I could have made it so I could have gone to some meetings but like I didn't because I was really scared people would associate me with that when I wasn't ready and then I went to college and that like college like you said like was a big turning point and I realized that like it's okay to be different like 
you, but you also don't have to be sure. And so that's when I came out to a couple of my friends and then my, at the end of my freshman year. And then, um, this year I just had become like more confident in my identity a lot. And it wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't discover, um, my sexuality until college. It was just that I was no longer afraid to hide it from myself and from others. Well, thanks for sharing. That's really wonderful to hear. I know that I've, I've, you know, it's been such a pleasure to be part of that and hearing your perspective and your journey on it. Um, yeah, so thanks. You said something that reminded me of another segue, but I forgot it, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's just, like, it's so funny to look back on your earlier years, like, when you're in elementary and middle school, after you've come out, um, and look back on those years, and just realize that you maybe were questioning at the time, but you just didn't have the words or the knowledge of like what it was that you're questioning. But when you, now that I look back, I'm like, it, I feel so obvious to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So two things that reminded me of one is obviously with all of these really invasive um, gender norms, it makes it so much more difficult to a decide like who you are and be how you want to show that to other people and how much you know time and energy you actually want to spend towards the clothing you wear or the things that you choose to say who you hang out with you know like that is so much time and and mental strain and physical strain like just trying to figure out like how to be yourself and we don't ever stop doing that and I think that that's really exhausting um so I'm so happy that there are you know, so many resources for people to consult, people to talk to, to be able to work out exactly what it is that they're going through and how they're feeling. Um, because I couldn't imagine going through it alone. And I know a lot of people do, and that's really scary. So if you are questioning at all about what we're talking about, um, there are a ton of resources online and also in person that you can consult. So I just wanted to put that out there. Um, second is a little story I have from high school. Um, I'm, I'm actually kind of, I'm a little bit embarrassed and very, very Ooh, okay. disappointed in myself that this happened because I had a friend real like, she is just so smart, so witty, like very driven. Um, and I was always really afraid at the time. This was maybe freshman and sophomore year of high school. We were in a couple classes together and she came out as lesbian and she was the only person who came out at the time who was in our class and everyone was like talking about it as if it was gossip or, 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 you know, the tea or the talk yeah. town. And at the time, like when I was like 15, 16 years old, I definitely played a role and helped perpetuate that idea that, you know, when people come out, it's, it's this thing that's worth spreading and, and will get you attention. Um, and she, I don't know, at some point, like during that time, like I, I really tried to avoid her because I didn't, for some reason, I thought that like her being lesbian would be so confront confrontational to me and that I would like have to deal with her in a way that's like different to how I deal with other women. And now that I think back, I'm like, God, Megan, you were so stupid. 
like <laughs> here's this girl who uh you know in in a culture at least in our school which is super heteronormative came out and told people that she was lesbian and was still a badass about it and also came out to her parents um and I you know I can't speak for her family situation but I'm sure like that definitely its own challenges and then for me to also have perpetuated that idea that it's okay to like mock her or make fun of the situation was just awful and that's why I'm kind of embarrassed to tell it but I wanted to tell it anyway because I was kind of a shitty person now that I think about it I'm like what the hell's wrong with you like it like it's really not that big of a deal I mean it is a big deal but it doesn't have to be oh my gosh I just yeah I don't know if you have any thoughts on that but I was just really yeah I definitely do I just I think it's really important that actually that you told that story even though you are a little embarrassed and it's just because it shows how much your thoughts have changed in regards to the queer community and You know, we're all, we all um, come from different places. Some people know a lot about the queer community. Some people don't know anything at all. Or some people are raised in religions or families where it's really bad to be queer. But just the fact that you're able to tell that story and we can look at where you are now, it just shows that, like, it is such a journey. And it's okay if you make mistakes at the beginning of that journey as long as you learn from them and you definitely have I can tell so yeah I think that's a really important story oh oh my gosh I'm like my cheeks are all red and puffy (laughs) and then just like going off of that it just made me think of like um a similar experience like not many girls in my high school like really came out during high school um but it was kind of like, oh, those people are probably queer. Like, they've come out to, like, some of their friends, and it was just kind of like, you know, like you said, like, whispers around and stuff. Um, or, like, they were in um, our queer club. Qu- uh, sorry, Queer Alliance Club. And, but it just amazes me, like, how many girls in my high school have come out since um, going to college and graduating or and even more and more coming out in high school just because a lot of them come from Catholic families and it is a Catholic school and it just makes me really proud that like they're able to be brave enough or they're in families that are accepting of their sexuality despite the religion that they that they practice which has traditionally been very um, negative against the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's so interesting that people choose to use religion, you know, however they identify to their support or not support uh, people's sexualities. And that's just something that's never made any sense to me as someone who didn't grow up religious and, and has like basically no religious background or knowledge um, I think it's a lot easier for me to say that. I'm like, how could you ever let something like religion define how you treat people? Right. Um, you know, specifically to their to their sexuality. Um, uh, but I can I I suppose that I I could empathize with the pressure that people feel when they have grown up in a household that is very religious. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know if you could speak more to that because I, I never really had that sort of upbringing. Yeah. So I never really had to take that into account. 
Well, yeah, my family is pretty religious. We're not Catholic, um, but we are. We go to church. Well, we went to church every Sunday before coronavirus. But um, yeah, we are really religious. And growing up, I never really felt like there was a huge pressure against um, saying that like being queer is a sin. Um, but it was, I, it was just kind of never talked about and it was more of a negative thing, but my family and my mom like is very supportive. I haven't come out to like my whole family, but I feel like I don't really need to. Um, it's just kind of like, I don't know. I just don't feel like I really need to yet, but anyways, so we try to go to churches that are accepting of different people and all sorts of things and if we're at a church and they have a sermon and it talks about a thing like persecuting someone who is queer who say like one church we used to go to they were um talking about how divorce is like a sin and stuff so we we like leave those churches and we found a church that is really accepting and so it's just definitely a different Um, place I'm coming from within religion just because it's always not always but mostly has been an accepting place so I don't know if that answered your question at all but no yeah yeah it did and I'm glad that you you've had that experience rather than sort of majority not yeah definitely and there's starting to be more and more um churches that are not only accepting but affirming of the queer community which is really important that they're affirming because they're they're not just saying like you yeah you don't bother us they're saying that we ex- we see that this is a part of you and we love that part of you as well as the other parts of you we love that <laughs> I guess I had a question for you like so um I kind of have to like tell a story first before like I can get to the question so it makes sense but. <laughs> Last yeah, yeah, summer, last summer I was working at a job where I was like a mentor, and so I was talking to one of the other mentors who I like found out was part of the LGBTQ plus community, and we were talking about Pride because I was going to Pride the um, that weekend, and he was saying that like he just doesn't understand the point of Pride, like he doesn't think there's a need to be like out and proud and waving rainbow flags and flags around um when like I guess like he's just like he was saying he's comfortable within his identity but he doesn't see the need for pride and like so he's never really gone so I just was wondering like how do you see a need for pride and and I guess this can get us into like the history of pride but like do you see a need for pride and being able to go out into your city and you know dress how you want and be proud of your identity or do you think we don't really need that and I guess like have you been to a pride parade before um well I can answer your second question first no I haven't been to a pride parade but I would love to oh my god that would be so much fun um and maybe it gives away my next answer but yeah I I absolutely think that you know pride and and celebrating pride and people within the community is super super important um, because it's an opportunity for people who have been oppressed for, for, you know, something like their sexuality, 
um, to be able to a try and redefine themselves or sort of find another you know, or, or, or a huge part of themselves that they've never been able to express or even explore before for, you know, whatever reasons. Um, yeah, I think not only are the parades and the marches super important, but also, uh, you know, and I wish it wasn't just limited to those things or, you know, having a month dedicated to pride, but it was more integrated in everyone's lives. Um, but being able to have a, a platform and an opportunity to dress how you want to say, what you want about how you identify is so is so important because people like the LGBTQ community is still not fully accepted and well that's not acceptable to me um yeah so I, I think that they need like people in the community need a place to feel safe to be heard um yeah and just to express themselves I don't I feel like because I haven't really been involved in a whole lot of LGBTQ plus events or, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen a whole lot of like webinars or read a lot of books on it. I feel like I'm a little bit ill-informed, you know, discriminating against people based on their sexuality. Like as long as that keeps happening, then pride needs to keep happening. If that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, when I heard that from him, I was kind of shocked just because I've only been, well, I guess I've been to three Prides, but two of them were the same year. But the first year I went was the summer before college, and I wasn't out yet. Um, I was still questioning myself, but it was such an affirming experience, and it just was such a confidence booster, because never before had I seen so many people within the community in one place before, and who were, you know, not afraid to show who they truly were, and... Um, yeah, and I went with my mom and my little sister, and it was just great to see them enjoying themselves. And even that was um, really helpful because it showed that, like, I was surrounded by people who, if I did decide to come out, like, would likely accept who I was. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think pride definitely is important. That's so sweet. No, thank you for saying that. Like, as someone who has never really felt the need to be a part of Pride, um, maybe kind of similar to to your your coworker, your other mentor you were talking about. Like, you know, I'm perfectly fine just kind of sitting back and being like, yeah, like all people are are cool, you know. Yeah. Regardless of 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 however they identify, but you know, as for you saying that, knowing that it was really such an affirming experience for you, like makes me understand more deeply why it is that pride needs to keep happening and why it's so important. Yeah, especially since it stemmed from the Stonewall riots. And so it started as a protest, really. Yeah, well, I suppose now would be a good time to talk about that. Um, I, I, I will say that I am a little bit complicit in sort of my understanding of Stonewall and the history there. But if you... Yeah. Have that history. I would, I would love to, to hear more about yeah, it. Yeah, I can share. And yeah, we can, I can stop along the way and we can just talk about the things. So yeah, yeah I guess. So the Stonewall riots um, started on June 28th, 1969. And it was when they started when um, New York City police raided the Stonewall Inn, which is a gay nightclub in New York City. And at the time, it was illegal to be gay in every state except Illinois. So 
these ra- or these raids um, were really frequent. The police would often um, be really physical with the people they were arresting, and it was just it was just a really horrible time. A really important person for the Stonewall riots is Marsha P. Johnson, who um, was a black transgender activist, and I was finding. I've always heard that she was the one to throw the first brick that sparked the riots, but when I was reading up on it this morning, um, I found some, like, information that was, like, it wasn't her, like, she showed up later, but most things were saying it was her. And even, like, I guess another, like, segue point we could talk about was I, was, I saw an article tit- title that said, it doesn't matter who threw the first brick, but I really think it does, just because especially that that person is a black transgender activist and it speaks a lot to how pride and the Stonewall rights started because queer black people were leading the fight. And I can see that. I see that happening now within the black lives matter movement. So yeah. Do you want to speak to that at all? Or I I think I want to speak more to the point you were saying about, you know, it is super important to recognize, but also understand that whoever threw that first brick, you know, started this entire movement, may, you know, maybe without realizing it. Um, and yeah, yeah, like to have that type of courage to be the first of anything to, to be outspoken and to, you know, push forward with what you believe is right is so, is so difficult. Like I could never imagine myself ever doing something like that, you know, in fear of being shunned or physically harmed. So uh, you know, whoever it was who threw that first brick, like, I'm going to do my best to remember their name. Um, and yeah, keep that, keep that in mind. Yeah. And, you know, to continue to share that history with other people who don't know, so that they could be more aware of right. the impact that they had. This wasn't just a time where you would get arrested for throwing a brick at someone, but be arrested based on how you identify and based on your sexuality and who you were as a person. So not only was she throwing the brick, um, was going to get her in trouble for, you know, assault, but the fact that she was transgender um, just added even more to that. Yeah, that's so, I, I mean, like, to wrap my head around the idea that, like, you know, you are Black and you are transgender, and that makes or break breaks how people treat you. Um, right. You know, as, as a white woman, but I mean, it's unfathomable to me and also not something that I will ever relate to. Uh, and I just, yeah, I, same. I don't, we can get into this later for sure. And I'd like to, like, I don't know how I could ever do and say enough to be able to honor, um, queer black people. Um, yeah. So just to finish up, so the riots continued for several days and oh, um, so Marsha P. Johnson was also a founding member of the Gay Liberation Front and the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries. So those are two organizations that um, she helped found and was really involved in. And then I also wrote down another Black trans um, woman who was really important within the community, um, if you want me to share her name. Oh, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do. Okay, so um, Major Griffin Gracie was a black trans woman, 
and she was an activist and community leader for transgender rights, and she focused on women of color. And um, the organization that she was most involved with was the Transgender Gender Variant Intersex Justice Project, which um, helps transgender people who are incarcerated because um, trans women face higher rates of homelessness and then incarceration. So that's what that organization was really focused on. Oh my God. Amazing. Like, I'm just, I'm in such an awe. Also, Major? Yes, Major Griffin Grace. I don't know if that, just her name or if she, I'm not really sure. I didn't look even more into it, but actually it was written down as Miss Major Griffin Gracie. So... Yeah, I read a couple articles. Well, come and I got a lot of this information. If like anyone is interested in looking it up, I just kind of googled um, Stonewall uh, riots and then um, Black queer history because a lot of some of the um, articles about Stonewall don't um, acknowledge the Black activists who were involved. So you kind of have to narrow your search by putting that in. Um, so that those people will be recognized. And then I, so one article that I found that was really helpful was, uh, I think it was, yeah, it was Bobby Burke's um, blog. And he's one of the people on Queer Eye. And he had like a lot of facts about Stonewall and then about these two women. And then he also had some organizations you could donate to today or help with. Side note, I love Queer Eye. <laughs> that's it me too i started i started watching the new season that just came out yeah no my roommate really got me into it um last year <laughs> okay well thank you for the the brief history lesson i'm, I'm definitely more intrigued i'm i'm gonna some, spend some time later tonight or tomorrow um sort of throwing myself deeper into it all i mean it's so important like like you were saying to recognize that history and and you know, to, to recognize the names and say the names of the people who, who were badasses and, you know, didn't sit back and, and let shit happen to them. Oh my God. Sorry. I'm yeah, just, definitely. I'm just sitting here like in awe, tr- honestly. No. Yeah, I am too. It's just, also, it's just crazy that a lot of people don't, and nothing like against them and, or against you, like, cause it's not really taught, you know? Even if the Stonewall riots are taught, it's just, like, they just say it's a police raid turned into a protest that lasted a couple of days. No one really recognizes who was involved and that it was um, done by a lot of Black trans women. So, yeah, yeah, I think it is really important. I I also want to add to that point, though, like, I know a lot of people, uh, well, maybe who were in, like, a similar education system that I was, like, taking history was never compulsory in high school um so I actually didn't learn a whole lot about U.S. history at all um I didn't take history at all in high school so like I learned about the Bosnian genocide and I learned a lot of European history but yeah so a lot of a lot of things that I feel like are relevant in in today's discussion especially like when I'm on our college campus and like talking to people I feel like I'm really missing out on a lot of really wonderful conversations because I don't feel like I have a lot to contribute to um but you know it just goes to show that like listening and like doing your own research can go a long way too yeah especially because honestly in high school and 
grade school, the history books use, they leave out a lot of stuff. You know, it's screened through. Um, it's not all the like it is partially true, but they leave out a lot of the truth within those things. So do, sometimes, yeah, doing your own research and digging around is a lot more helpful than what you learned out of a history book. Can we get into that a little bit? Uh, I'm just curious, like, yeah, for, for sure. you who, you know, you've, you've studied history in, in high school, like, how does it make you feel like knowing the things that you do now in comparison to the things you learned from those history books and those history classes? Like, I, I don't, I guess my question is, how does it make you feel knowing that you didn't learn the whole truth, you know, or as close to it as possible? Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, where to start, but I don't, like, feel, like, super angry at all um, when it, like, that I didn't learn those just because I have the resources to find the information on my own, but knowing that there's people who might need that information for themselves but don't have the resources to get it and their schools aren't um, fully teaching it to them. It's really frustrating. Um, School, even though it was a Catholic all-girls school, it was pretty liberal um, for being a Catholic school. And my history teachers did a pretty good job of teaching us not only, like, the most common history things, but also going more in depth. So in high school, I took a history class elective called Bad Girls and Unruly Women, and it was all about women leaders from I can't remember when we started but it was like the 1800s or something like that or even actually even earlier into um current day so I think we talked about women in the revolutionary war because it was focused on in America up until where we were in the present when I took that class so that class did a really good job of not only teaching things in history that we hadn't learned before, but also highlighting people who aren't usually talked about, like women and queer people. So yeah, that was a really important class for me. That sounds like so much fun. I would have loved to take that class. Yeah, my class, my high school actually had like a lot of like feminist focused classes. I also took a class called Women in Literature, and we read a lot of novels by, um, women of color and just women like leaders at the time and it was a really great class so yeah I'm really I'm really happy that my high school focused on not only the things that you know like you have to focus on to get state approval I guess I don't really know what it is but also like the things that they thought was they thought were important for us to learn yeah no that's that's great I'm I'm really glad that that was actually a norm for someone like going through high school. Um, I, I can't say that yeah. I know a lot of people where they've had that experience. You said something earlier that I can't remember what it was. Oh, I think it was about like just not knowing a lot about queer history. And it made me think of um, how a lot of people within the community have imposter syndrome about being queer, um, especially if they're not like super loud about their sexuality. And I definitely feel that sometimes like am I like am I just an imposter within the community so do you have any thoughts about that oh my god <laughs> you're you're talking to the <laughs> to the woman who's like the queen of imposter syndrome um 
okay, that's a little bit of a stretch, but um, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, if you identify as queer, it means that you, I mean, that, that looks different for everyone. I just don't really feel the need to feel like I have to belong in that space because I know that, you know, the whole community was, the movement was founded on this idea that, you know, we're here to, to support and empower all people, right? So I know that like, if I need a space where I feel comfortable, um, I know that that's always an option for me and that's really wonderful to have as like, as a, as a resource. Um, I, I suppose I don't really feel too much of an imposter syndrome for this community specifically because I like I said before I haven't given it too much thought or enough thought to be like oh my god do I belong am I queer am I not queer um to really care um but yeah but I may have to think about that a little bit more before I can give you a more elaborate answer uh but the my my clear-cut answer is is no I don't really really feel that way that's good though um yeah, I feel like sometimes you feel it more on certain days than others, especially when you're like kind of new to the community. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know what? I will say though, um, if I'm ever surrounded by someone or a group of people who are just so like so proud, so happy to be part of the community and they just like really want people to know. First of all, I like, I applaud those people who feel comfortable, you know, expressing themselves exactly how they feel they should. Um, but sometimes I'm like, wow, like, I don't feel like I'm, I'm queer enough to be here and be a part of this conversation right now. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes I have to self-evaluate and be like, is it because I should take a step back and let them, you know, have this space to verbalize and express themselves? Or am I also deserving of being in this space and like expressing my sort of journey with it so sometimes yeah there is a little bit of a back and forth but it's not something that gives me a whole lot of anxiety so for the most part I just sit, sit back and sort of enjoy the conversations that people are having and and then I get really riled up when they get really riled up about about something and I'm like oh my gosh let's talk about it so yeah it's fun yeah so. yeah most of the time I just find myself surrounded when I'm with people in the queer community just surrounded by people who are so opening and accepting of wherever you are on your journey yeah and like it, I mean to some people it's a really big thing and to other people it's it's not so it's it's like anything like yes you have this community that unites you um and, and I guess gives you something in common with something else but that's not also the only thing that defines you so you can you know identify with someone or be able to relate to someone because you share a similar sexuality or the same sexuality but that doesn't mean that you know you're automatically friends you know there's a sort of right. underlying solidarity that's there but you, you know by all means that doesn't mean that you have to get along with that person or like them and I think that might be a misconception that some people have that it's like oh my gosh like they're both gay or they're both this they are they're like definitely going to get along because they like have this thing in common and I'm like it's just another trait of their personality like like it's what I don't know do you have yeah, any thoughts on sure. that because I thought about that oh before. I definitely do <laughs> That's something that especially this year I've come to realize is that you don't have to be friends or you don't have to like everyone just because they're in the queer community. And I'm not saying that you're you have you can like hate them or whatever, but um I just found myself feeling like just because they were queer 
um, I had to really like them and try to be friends with them. But like you said, it is just one part of your identity. And that would be like saying, like, since Megan, you are from China, you had to be friends with or you had to like everyone who was from China that you met. But that's just not feasible. Like, that's not the reality. So that's my thoughts. Oh, yeah. Do you have any other thoughts about Pride Month or sexuality or anything? I'm, I feel like we could talk on and on, but I'm trying to think of. No, that's true. Things. I mean, I know earlier we mentioned that we would be talking about um, what it means to be an ally and what that looks like. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. So so I think, yeah, I think it would be really fun and, and, and educational to talk about that. If you if you want to yeah. start and if you have some place to start, go for Ooh. it. If not, I could ramble for a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and ramble. I, I'm trying to think of some specific things. Hmm. Okay. Here is maybe a couple things that I think uh, an active ally does and what what they what they look like. So one of the things is um okay this might be a little bit um spicy for some people you'll bit contradict uh what's the word uh what, what's the c word controversial that's it yes for me like what an ally means is not making a big deal if someone tells you that they're part of the queer community um and I say this because, and I say it's controversial because a lot of people, I feel like, want a bigger response because to them it's a really important thing and they want people to be, you know, proud of them for coming out or, you know, making some sort of progress in, in discovering their own identities. But I know that for me, like, if someone were to ever come out to me or feel comfortable doing so, I would feel really uncomfortable, like, making a really big deal out of it because I don't want to give off the impression that it, it's anything that's like I, I I don't uh okay but now I'm thinking maybe it is important to make a big deal out of it it's something to celebrate if you you know like read the room like read the person if you think that yeah it's I been think something it's that's the person. really hard for them oh okay you know what then then I changed my point um make sure that your response to when someone comes out to you is appropriate in the context of that person you know don't just come out in a way that you've seen in movies or you've read on a book because like we've sort of just discovered and have known for a while that it varies person to person um right so like if I came out to someone and was like oh I'm I've you know I've decided I've come to the conclusion that I'm bisexual I don't want people to be like oh my god you are like that's so great and I'm like I really don't care because I'm like it's not a big deal yeah. to me at all <laughs> okay that's one tip I'm gonna think of some other yeah other can examples. I go off of that oh please do <laughs> yeah I think something I've noticed um and again it depends on the person but for like I was just thinking of like if you came out to someone and they say oh I already knew I just feel like that's kind of like dismissive even if you're just being like oh I like knew like it's no big deal like I'm being supportive but again it depends on the person so like some some people could take that as like relief like oh I had nothing to worry about but some people could see that as them just kind of shrugging it off and not really caring but I think like something really important that some of my friends did when I came out was um like kind of asking what that meant for me like what being ace 
means to me or even if they didn't know what asexuality was like asking what does that mean like what is that I've never really learned much about that and or like one of my friends when I came out to them like I was just hanging out with them and I noticed afterwards when some of our other friends were talking that they were looking it up on their own so that just shows that they like they really do care or if you are an ally that you really care because you're taking the time to look up more and do some more research on how someone identifies so that you can have an honest conversation with them. That was a a wonderfully articulated point. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I didn't feel like it. (laughs) No, no, it was. Um, Yeah. I, I, I think I want to elaborate on that and say that if someone is, you know, going through the trouble of maybe like sitting you down and being like, I have something important to tell you, then it's pretty safe to assume that like, it is a big deal to them. Um, and they, they want your undivided attention and your support. So as long as you're providing that in some capacity, whether that is doing research on your own or asking questions, um, and demonstrating that support, that is super, super crucial. Because if it didn't mean... Yeah like a, a big thing to this person then they might have told you they might tell you in passing or it might sort of just like slip into a different conversation um yeah but I I totally totally agree with the point of like don't dismiss people if by saying like oh I knew that already because even if you did think you knew or you had a hunch just like keep it to yourself uh, maybe you could right. share that with them like a little bit later Again, depends on the person. But like, if you're, if someone's going to tell you, it means that you are probably pretty tight. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also think that an, another sort of good representation of what an ally is is someone who gives you the space to talk about the trouble that you've had with your identity, um, and doesn't try to, and is honest when they say that they can't really relate but tries but tries still to empathize um I know that for me in sort of in other instances it's so much more significant to me if someone says like I I really can't relate but I would like to be able to empathize so if you could give me a little bit more information as to how I could support you like as formal as that sounds like I would much rather someone say that to me rather than try and go along and be like oh yeah yeah I get it I I get it I get it and like this and just try and be like yeah even if it comes from a place of, of support, like you can tell when people are being supportive. Sometimes the best thing to do is just to like, even just like not say anything and just to like listen. Right. Or ask like, how can I be a better ally? Or have I been supportive enough for you? Or do you need me to be more supportive? Yeah. Um, just, <laughs> I just had a funny comment. So last year I was at Pride and um, this... I don't know if it was an organization or what, but they were holding a banner in the march and it said LGBTQIA or something like that. And the A, and then they also had like it all written out like lesbian, gay, bisexual, so on, so on. But for A, they had it as ally. And I was just so yeah. mad because <laughs> I was like, the A means asexual aromantic not ally and yes it is important for allies to be involved in the community but don't erase part of the community <laughs> right so like, i just thought that was a little funny in the community thing. oh my god yeah i thought that was really funny but also annoying so did yeah. you think that that person did it like by accident 
Well, it was like a whole organization or church or something. So I oh. think, I don't know, I I feel like it was, I don't think it was like a specific LGBTQ plus um, organization because if it was, I don't think they would make that mistake. I think it might have been a church or like a business or something. Because a lot of times in Pride marches, you see like churches and then large corporations and businesses marching. So I think they like might have truly thought that A means ally. And I'm sure someone corrected them. But yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that actually, yeah, (laughs) um, I can't imagine like actually seeing that banner and being like, okay, (laughs) about that. Um, but what you were saying about sort of different churches and corporations marching as well, I think it's, um, it makes me feel so much more comfortable knowing that like larger corporations, um, or even like local businesses, um, different, you know, different private sectors are, are marching or protesting as well, because it's just a good signal to people that they believe and they are supportive of the same things that like we are. And, you know, like that is somewhere where if you decide to go work or internet that you won't be, you know, that they recognize that your identity is important to you and won't discriminate you based on those things. Yeah, Um, I definitely agree. I think though it is important for corporations not, to only be supportive during pride month and it's just because they're like coming from it from an advertising standpoint but also every day throughout the year being supportive and being an advocate for queer people right right exactly i uh i had a job interview or i was already interning actually sorry with this company and I was like, oh, I, I feel like, you know, in order to stand in solidarity with Pride Month this year, like, we should post more pictures of people who are um, part of the community and maybe, like, get their input on, you know, what it means to be working for this company and yada, yada, yada. And they were like, oh, that's a great idea. We should do that for all of June. And then for July, we can move on to something else. And then as soon as I uh. s- suggested that, I was like, damn, I don't want I I felt really guilty of like kind of insinuating that you know we should only recognize these people in June and not for the rest of the year as if they're really only being used for advertising purposes like you said and I sort of immediately corrected myself and I was like oh well I think that this should be integrated you know all the time like I get that this is a business but you also want to show people that you are supportive of of this community and and all all community all minority communities you know um, and they were like, what? And I was like, okay, <laughs> baby steps, I see. Yeah, that's really good that you recognize that, though. I was like, ah, because that wasn't my intention whatsoever. I just thought yeah, it would be it a good opportunity because I was like, it's obviously relevant, like, now in particular. And if you're asking for content, like, this is something that I think is important. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, no, what have I done? Yeah, we're working on it. Yeah, it's baby steps of organizations that I wrote down just that I thought I would shout out if people wanted to donate or get involved with them um, right now to show support for not only the queer community but the black queer community yeah 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 go for it okay so first is I can just like read through these but um, the National Black Justice Coalition and the Center for Black Equality um, trans justice funding project 
and the LGBTQ plus Freedom Fund. The first two that I listed are focused on um, Black queer equality. And then the last two are just blanket organizations. That's great. And maybe we should put them in the description boxes too so people can, yeah, can just click on sure. them directly. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. Spicy, spicy topics always. Yeah. It was really great talking to you. I really enjoy like talking about pride and sexuality. So it was really nice. Oh, that's oh, I'm I'm so glad, and we can keep doing it forever and yeah. ever. Oh right. boy, well, there's I never there's know some how to like waiting end these for me things. in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. I just well, I just went off on like a huge tangent about me wanting to consume <laughs> food because that's all I've been doing: sleeping and eating, um, and nice. podcasting. <laughs> so that's what I'm gonna there you go. do. Uh, why, you know, why yeah. don't you tell the viewers, the viewers, the listeners, what you're uh, what you're gonna get up to today? Oh, well, I'm going to be working on some research for my internship. Well, that's not an internship, but, you know, the summer program I'm doing. And, yeah, I went on a run this morning before podcasting with you, and I tripped on my dog and I fell. And my knee was bleeding a lot, but it's okay now. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of a clumsy person. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know whether to laugh at you, I'm already laughing at you, or to feel sorry for you, but I'm not going to feel sorry <laughs> for you, because you don't need that. No, no, it's fine. The summer I started cross high school cross country, I was running during a, pra- a summer practice, and I it had just stormed the night before, and I tripped on this branch and fell on my knees, and they were so scraped up, they were bleeding so much, but I kept the, doing the run. I had just fallen behind, because, you know, I would actually fallen, so my coach turned around on the way back and he saw my knees. He was like, oh, my gosh, do you need to walk? It's like, no, it's OK. I'll just keep running. And so when we got back, we tried to, like, clean them up. And but they just kept bleeding. So he had to take, like, that, like, sports wrap that you use if you have a sprained ankle and put gauze on my knees and just wrap them so much. And, oh, my gosh, they just bled so much. It was crazy. So this was very small compared to that. <laughs> That, okay, I have, like, one last question. Do you have, like, a, a lack of, like, blood clotting factors in your blood? I don't know. I, well, I, I, I just a, thought it asked. Yeah. <laughs> because you have, I don't like, know. different stuff. I have no idea. I think, I don't know, the little scrapes just bleed so much for me, so. Oh, six, 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 yeah. six, 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 I do have a high pain tolerance, so it doesn't really phase me that much, um, yeah. Oh my god. But I am Are anemic, so it's me? probably not good that I lose blood. Oh, you and my mother have that in common. Nice. That's lovely. <laughs> okay, well on that bloody note. Um <laughs> nice. <laughs> thanks for tuning in, everybody. Yeah. Um come back we'll next back. time. We'll catch you next time. I'm gonna go eat something. <laughs> All right, bye. Thanks for listening.